Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary of Buker and Friends and part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1, read me on Bleacher Report, and follow me on Twitter at Rick Buker and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buker. As I watch and listen to all the events surrounding Antonio Brown joining the New England Patriots, I can't help but see all the same furniture and tapestry that came with DeMarcus Cousins joining the Golden State Warriors. As if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that uh, I have a habit of connecting dots that maybe some other people don't necessarily. Uh, Michigan Army and the U.S. Open Women's Final was uh, in a previous podcast. Anyway... I'm at it again. Uh, but here's, here's the comparison. The general formula, super talented, somewhat troubled player, joins championship team, eager, maybe desperate to extend its winning ways, despite an aging core and a host of up-and-coming challengers. The thought in both cases is, or was, that the winning-focused culture of the organization would contain or maybe even convert the player and his worst impulses. They would get the best out of whatever he might be, and save him from his demons. And as I watch and listen, it also reminds me of a friend who talks about how he can delude himself into doing something that appears to be wrong. He likes to say, the story I tell myself is, and he does it, it's his explanation of how he goes about basically, in essence, rationalizing bad behavior by seeing a possible positive byproduct of it. Yeah, I've been less than truthful with a client, for example, but it made sure that we still had the client's business, and that means we didn't have to lay anyone off. Uh, I'm playing the role of somebody who's running a company, which my, which my friend does. So the idea that, yeah, you're lying to a client, but you're saving people's jobs, so ultimately... It's a good thing. In fact, the misdeed almost seems noble. Now, in my talks with various GMs and other executives around the league this summer, uh, they've mentioned about how everyone was so ticked off when the Warriors originally signed DeMarcus. They felt it wasn't fair that the rich were getting infinitely richer, that DeMarcus's desire to rehab his image and still land a big payday with one of the 29, 29 other teams 
would make him malleable and more than willing to do whatever the Warriors asked. And in a lot of ways, I hear the same grumbling about Brown joining the Patriots and for the same reason. But I can also tell you not everyone in the Warriors organization felt they just hit the lotto. They knew they were taking a gamble, that it was one thing for a player to have motivation to change his attitude in his game, but there's still the task of actually doing it day after day, situation after situation, and sticking with it no matter how close or far away the desired result appears to be. Now, to be sure, Antonio Brown is not exactly where DeMarcus is or was. He's healthy, for one, and able to contribute right away. DeMarcus had to wait months before he could play, giving the Warriors and him a whole less time, a whole lot less time to incorporate him into what they do. Antonio making his debut week two and scoring a TD and a lopsided win in the warm sunshine of Miami helps, no doubt. Uh, he also he only played 24 snaps, as you would expect for someone who just joined the team, but he was targeted eight times, more than any other receiver. Now, unless Bill Belichick switches out his operating system, there's a very good chance that Brown will play a ton more snaps and not be targeted much more than he was against the Dolphins in certain games. There may even be games when Josh Gordon or Julian Edelman see more balls thrown their way or the Patriots lean on their run game. Belichick, as most of you know, is all about building a game plan based on the opponent, not running a catering service. And Brown was not shy in Pittsburgh about letting everyone know when the ball wasn't coming his way enough. Now, the Warriors did try to accommodate Cousins as much as they could, from what I understand. And he still wasn't happy with how they used him. He was just smart enough not to go public with it. That would have undermined everything he was trying to accomplish, which was to make sure that he wasn't playing another season for a measly $5.8 million. And there's a funny thing about that salary. Those who resented the Warriors for landing Cousins did so especially because of that sticker price, feeling even for a guy coming off a torn Achilles, it was massively under what he was worth. You know who else resented that sticker price? Cousins. Making his situation even more difficult, salary cap rules and the Warriors' payroll meant that they couldn't sign him to a bigger contract no matter what he did last season. Whatever he was going to do for the Warriors, he could have impressed the hell out of them. They could have only signed him to something basically the same mid-level, which would have been a little bit bigger with the, with the salary cap, presumably going up a little bit. He was essentially auditioning for the, four, for the other 29 teams. While he and the Warriors tried to find common ground between what Cousins had enjoyed his first six and a half, seven years in the league, and the Warriors' small ball, small ball, high IQ, read and react style that had won them two consecutive titles. The reality is Cousins had spent his entire NBA career with the offense running through him and earning all-star recognition along the way, but never resulting in any significant team success. Now, as often happens, the media provided the standard lament for a star who has great numbers on a team that never sniffs the playoffs. If only Boogie had some help. If only the Kings were smart enough to draft or acquire free agents 
that could make the team better. Certainly not Boogie's fault. The flaw in that perspective began to emerge after Cousins was traded to New Orleans, who clinched their playoff spot and upset the higher-seeded Blazers in the first round after Cousins sustained his Achilles injury. They were 27 and 21 with him. They were 21 and 13 without him in the regular season. You can do the math, but the bottom line is it's about a 562 winning percentage with him, 621 without him. Ball went through Rondo a lot more. Rajon Rondo, once Cousins was out of the picture, and that served them better. Now, I'm not going to say they, they weren't necessarily better without him, but they were clearly able to function just fine without him. And let's face it, they had a better record, which is generally not the case for all-star players with the talent to make lesser teammates better and, teammate, and teams in general collectively greater than the sum of their parts. I'm thinking LeBron, Derrick Rose, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, even Blake Griffin in Detroit last year. They were an immensely better team with him than without him. Wasn't really the case with Boogie, certainly not in New Orleans. Now, at least, though, there weren't any production-based incentives in Cousins' contract with the Warriors. Essentially couldn't be. They gave him as much money as they could, and that was it. So there was no need other than to satisfy his ego to average a certain number of points or rebounds. If he played limited minutes on a certain night or didn't get a whole lot of touches, he wasn't losing anything substantive. Besides, his real holy grail was to show he could fit in and not upset the Warriors' vaunted chemistry. So quietly accepting a lesser role was his way of earning dividends down the line, getting fewer touches and being okay with it, or at least not publicly making it clear that he wasn't okay with it, was the ultimate objective. Now, from what I've been told, it took a tremendous amount of energy from all concerned to keep Cousins from blowing up. And it wasn't purely a matter of him wanting the ball more or to play more minutes. He wanted to play a meaningful role and do it within the context of how the Warriors play. I honestly believe that, and it fits with what I know about him. I don't think he was just all about him. He wanted to show that he could play and that he was still capable of being a great center after the Achilles injury. He just wasn't conditioned for it, physically or mentally. The Warriors' attention to detail every minute on the floor, especially on defense, their understanding of when to shoot and when a better option for someone else was available was not only something that the Warriors have specialized in and have taken to a very high level, but it wasn't something the Cousins had ever had to come had ever had to hone before arriving in the Bay Area. He was, if you looked at it, there were a lot of mistakes that he would make. There were a lot of bad decisions that he would make, but the minutes that he played, the touches that he got, the numbers would not necessarily reflect that. Now he's playing fewer minutes, he's getting fewer touches, and his decision-making has to be at a higher level than ever. It's a tough equation. And with the injuries abbreviating his time, both in practice and games, 
and the Warriors' lofty expectations and standards, there just wasn't a whole lot of room for error. So, in that respect, getting Brown back to Brown with the Patriots, getting Brown to stay with the Patriots program could actually be more challenging than it was to keep Cousins on the Warriors' beam. Brown gave up $30 million guaranteed dollars to leave the Raiders and is now only guaranteed $10 million, and $4 million of that gets paid out later. Here's the real dark cloud. Incentives could bump that $10 million another $4.5 million. And here's the potential thunder. Those incentives are not going to be easily reached. He gets another million and a half if he has 105 catches or more. He gets another 1.5 mil if he has 1,298 yards or more. And he gets another 1.5 million if he has 11 TDs or more. Now, what are the chances that if Belichick does as he has in the past, which is distribute the offensive usage, and Brown, as a result, is not on track to pick up those bonuses? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That he's going to let it be known he publicly needs to be more involved in the offense. It'll be very interesting if and when that happens. Just don't be surprised if it does. Now, look, I understand making comparisons between football and basketball players is a bit like comparing sailboats and blimps, no matter how much the personalities and circumstances mirror each other. I get it. And I'm, I'm not here to make the case that Brown and the Patriots clearly isn't going to work, although I do have serious reservations. Or even that the Warriors and Cousins deserves to be labeled a failed experiment, although I said it last summer and... I believe in some respects, I certainly wasn't proved wrong. I thought they would have been better off utilizing that $5.8 million on somebody, a, a wing, a defensive 3 and D guy, somebody who would play all year long and could allow them to continue to play the way that they've always played, which is small ball. Rather, try, rather than trying to incorporate a center and mix and match, it just it was a bridge too far. The bridge too far. Look, and keep in mind, I'm just telling you that there's a reason that the Warriors never considered bringing Boogie back for a second season. And I would not be surprised if this is Antonio Brown's only season in New England as well. Anybody looking to disagree, no doubt will bring up Randy Moss, another outspoken Pro Bowl wide receiver acquired by the Patriots after spending the bulk of his career elsewhere who lasted two-plus seasons. The similarities between Brown and Moss, by the way, are eerie. Both arrived in Foxborough after turning 30. Both came over after short stints with the Raiders, in which they badmouthed the franchise to earn their freedom, and arrived in New England with everyone uncertain 
if they could curb, curb their personalities enough not to rub up against Belichick's refusal to put up with any distractions. Moss, to his credit, silenced the critics that first season by helping the Patriots to an undefeated regular season and a run to the Super Bowl. This is also worth noting. Unlike Brown, Moss's contract had no production-based incentives. In fact, Tom Brady restructured his deal and deferred money so that Moss wouldn't have to restructure his when he first joined them. Here's another difference. Moss may have been outspoken, but I don't remember any self-absorbed stunts. Pretending to moon the Packers fans to a touchdown after, after his touchdown in the playoffs, that was mocking them for what Packers fans apparently do to visiting team buses, which for me puts the act in a completely different realm than the one Joe Buck put it in by calling it disgusting on the broadcast. Antonio, in any case, has a history of being a lousy teammate, of doing self-absorbed stunts. I'm going to say that phrase yet. Self-absorbed stunts. Uh, broadcasting on Facebook live from the locker room. Bad bad mouthing, bad mouthing Juju uh, Smith-Schuster on social media. Doing the same to Ben Roethlisberger. Moss never did anything remotely close. And for two solid years... He was all in on the Patriot way. If he wasn't, I don't remember the incident. Brown, on the other hand, has almost 5 million reasons to keep an eye on the box score. And already came out on the field barefoot before his very first game with the Patriots against the Dolphins. Those same feet he blistered, blistered with frostbite by wearing wet socks in a cryotherapy chamber right before training camp. He comes out barefoot to do an interview with Chad Ochocinco before the game. Chad being another diva-esque wide receiver whose stint in New England didn't work out that well. Considering what the AFC looks like, with both Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees now on the injury self, the Patriots could flirt with another undefeated season and cruise to another Super Bowl with Antonio Brown. Much like Cousins and the Warriors made it to last year's NBA Finals. But much like the Patriots in 07, the Warriors fell short despite being favored. So did Moss and the Patriots after that unbelievable run, losing to, the, losing to my man Will Blackman and the New York Giants. And much like Moss, Cousins played a limited role in the playoffs and in the finals, in part because of a quad injury suffered in the first round, and in part because after a one-game burst against the Raptors in the finals, he just wasn't effective. And it's hard to tell what that did to the chemistry, but it did something. And, I mean, it had to, because he wasn't effective, and he wasn't happy that he wasn't playing as a result of that. Again, kept it on the down low. No question he was unhappy. If Brown experiences the same thing that Moss did, the same thing that Cousins did, are you really telling me he's going to stay He's going to stay on the farm. He's going to be okay with it. That would be very unbrown-like. Before we wrap up, I do want to mention our friends at uh, Republic Jet Center. There's a reason you choose to fly privately into the New York metro area, and that's to avoid delays. So when you do fly in to New York City, Republic Jet Center in Farmingdale, New York, should be your only choice. Don't get caught up in delays flying into Teterboro or White Plains 
Choose Republic Jet Center and you'll experience all the reasons why you choose to fly privately. Not only can you land and take off on time, but getting to the city is as quick as a 12-minute helicopter ride, which their white glove concierge service will gladly arrange from their brand new 100,000 square foot facility with an array of snacks and beverages provided while you wait. If you've never flown private, find out what it's all about by visiting www.republicjetcenter.com. And for those who already are part of the private jet set, mention this ad on this podcast and RJC will provide a discount on your refueling cost. There's something else that troubles me about Brown. Any of you who want to accuse me of being overly sensitive or reading too much into a particular moment, you might be right. But as a writer and reporter, I try to put myself in the shoes of the people that I cover and comment about in an attempt to be fair, to see a situation from their perspective, to imagine what they might be going through in order to understand what they might have done or are doing. That's why, that's why I want to know what, what inspired Antonio Brown to want out of the Raiders organization, after all, by, by all appearances being happy to be there when he first arrived. There may be a very legit reason, and if there is, maybe he's not the bad guy that he's been painted as in that instance, in that situation. But if I were Antonio Brown, and I were facing multiple accusations of rape and sexual misconduct, I don't know that I could find it in me to exhibit the unbridled joy that he has with the Patriots. It wouldn't matter if the allegations were true or simply someone trying to extort me or jack up my career. I'd be bearing down to keep it out of my mind. I can't help but think of Kobe Bryant's demeanor when he was facing a rape charge. There was talk about whether he would even play or not. But in any case, uh, look, we all know he's got his game face, but he had his game face on all the time. And even when playing, even when playing well, you could tell that he was playing and trying to keep the outside stuff out of his mind while he played. He played with a certain anger. Now, Brown's case has not reached the point uh, of a trial, as Kobe's did. But I still, I just can't imagine walking around happy, joyous, and free, as uh, just exuding the, the joy that he, that he has. I might try to continue to work, and I might celebrate success on the field with my teammates, but I guarantee you it would be tempered. Now, Brown's supporters or apologists will say it could be a release or distraction from his issues, but I've really only seen Antonio exhibit two modes, that happy-go-lucky joy or playing the victim. Someone is, is either doing him wrong or he's drinking in the love like he did at the De La Salle high school football game when he was still in the Bay. At a time, keep in mind, when things with the local team, the Raiders, were clearly going south. As John Gruden would say, it's weird, man. So, we'll see where it goes. But based on everything that... I've seen, heard, and read about Antonio Brown, much like I 
saw, heard, and read with DeMarcus Cousins. I don't see the fit. I see a desperate team, a championship team, desperate to remain a championship team, and willing to bend its own institutional rules to sell its soul a little bit to get a player in order to stay on top, a player that really doesn't fit their DNA. And generally, when you start to bend your rules, that's when you pay a price. We'll see if that happens. I believe it happened with the Warriors. Might have happened anyway. Certainly didn't prevent the fall from happening. And we'll see if that happens with the Patriots. All right. That does it for this episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. Uh, keep in mind, we love it when you rate and review the show. You can do that on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, just hit the number of stars. Leave us a comment if you'd like. And if you want us to do something for you, screenshot that review and send it to at Buker Friends, and you will be eligible to win some prizes. All right. We've had a little bit of a schedule change. We're still going to go three days a week but we're moving things around. So Buker Friendless, or once uh, the NBA starts cranking up, I'll be having guests on again, will be uh, the first podcast of the week. And then the middle of the week, I'll catch up with Will Blackman from London, where he's going to be for the next couple months. And we will review the previous week's and NFL games and give you a little look ahead to the upcoming weekend. And then we'll wrap up the week catching up with Ryan Hollins. Catch a little both, NBA, NFL, whatever might be going on in the sports world. All right, that does it for this episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.